Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked on Canadians, it is the Friday Mailbag. We're going to be discussing what can Kent Hughes do with Mike Hoffman, our prospect rankings and some prospect questions, and I'm going to get my wrestling nerd on because this is our podcast and it is the middle of summer and we do what we want. All that and more inside today's show. You are Locked on Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 890 of Locked On Canadians, where your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever, or if you're watching our faces on YouTube.com, make sure you're subscribed. If we hit 3,000 subscribers, I have to eat the really gross uh, Thai Burger King cheese monstrosity thing. Uh, it, it's horrifying. It's 20 slices of cheese, and they called it a cheese king. So I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. As always, I'm joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, you have a big week planned for all of our listeners. Well, I am out of town uh, for the starting half of next week. Please, 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 please. Any prospect questions you have, Draft, upcoming draft, current Habs prospects, any prospects around the league, trade targets, whatever, send them to Laura at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Uh, Laura, do we want to announce who you are doing a special series of episodes with or no? I'm just going to say it's two people, prospect guests. Uh, also, we're recording on Sunday, July 22. I think it is 22. Um, no, it's 23, July 23. 23 Sunday, yes, July I fly 23. out on the 23rd. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at 11 a.m. So if you get this, if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday or very early on Sunday morning, Eastern time, you will have time to send me your prospect questions, any questions that you have about any prospects around the league, but with particular focus to the future of the Habs, uh, please send them over. It is uh, going to be a fun chat. Um, and I'm going to ask all your questions and I'm going to hound our prospects expert and we might go long enough that I might actually get three episodes from our conversation. So you will have that on Monday. Yeah, there is so much coming up with that. And we do have some prospect questions in today's episode, but those are going into our second segment because it is our Friday mailbag and we tend to range from the insane to the analytic to everything in between on here. And it is summer. There isn't too much going on around the Montreal Canadiens organization right now. Everything is kind of quiet. They announced the rookie showcase in Buffalo again, which I will hopefully be lucky enough to attend and bring plenty back from that like I did last year, where first-round pick Uri Slavkovsky definitely impressed in his time there. And we all got introduced to how great Owen Beck was. However, in today's show, we're going to be starting, I think, in the current NHL, in the current landscape of the Montreal Canadiens. Laura, uh, where are we starting with the mailbag today? I like, you can see me as a deer in headlights because I knew I was on mute and I was going to retrieve a question 
And then Scott asked me like <laughs> while I was getting ready, which made me even less ready. Uh, so I think the best place to start is what we've got a question from Jeffers 84, a longtime listener, big fan of his. How do the Habs handle the Hoffman situation? Waivers, buyout, future considerations trade. Hope to trade him for at best a second, but then he takes a spot. He, yeah. What are we doing? So the hard part here is that it's out of all the contracts the Canadians have on the book, Mike Hoffman's is like tier four on the ones that I'm concerned about the most. Uh, Armia and Dvorak are ahead of that, I think, right now. And then Hoffman's in that area underneath it. He's only got one year left on his deal this current season. And the hard part is, is that people are waiting on other deals to happen now. I And I, I look at what's going on with Hoffman and go, they're waiting on Tarasenko, who both is and isn't a Carolina Hurricane at this point. Debrinkat's been traded, so that's done. That's squared away. That was that first kind of pebble in the mountain to, and I say pebble, at very, very loosely here. That is the one that should have sent a thing, a bunch of boulders tumbling down the hill. Tarasenko should have been the next one to fall there. And I'm looking at a team that if they're in for Tarasenko and they miss out, can you get great value brand Vladimir Tarasenko in Mike Hoffman? Same poor defense, maybe a little bit less scoring, but he isn't going to cost you as much. The Canadians will likely retain some salary on Hoffman this season. And I think that I don't think he's going to go for future considerations level bad, but it does seem like it's trended more and more that way that if the Canadians get like a fifth, they're making out pretty well on this. My current thought is just to hold on to him for the start of the season. And Laura, I'm going to toss it back to you. It seems like keeping him makes sense until the market is there. But the Canadians are in need of roster spots right now for Jesse Olinen, for Raphael Harvey-Pinard, for Michael Pazette, and all these other players. And Hoffman is just occupying one of those, and so is Yol Armia, and so is Christian Dvorak, etc. But Hoffman is the one that seems the easiest to move because of his term. Is it wise for them to just hold on until the market is right, which we know sooner or later it might be? I think hold on. And salary retention is the way to go because his salary is going to come off. It is going to come off at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Like the term is much shorter. So he's not going to be around that long. He's going to be a UFA. So like you sit around and you say, all right, I'll keep a portion of his salary, not a whole lot, but a portion of his salary. And then you're getting a rookie, an entry level person who doesn't have that much of an effect on your cap to take his place in the lineup. So I think that that's really the way to go is to sit around, but also like make it known and also do have like come to terms with the idea of salary retention. Just kind of like spread that love around, spread that news around, make sure that in the GM group chat with all, you know, 31 <laughs> other GMs while you're busy making fun of this guy or the other guy, make sure that you make it known that you would be willing to retain salary on Mike Hoffman. And the thing is, is that we know injuries are going to happen. It's, a preseason is about the longest and shortest period of time in the NHL season here. If you've got a guy that it comes in and you know, you're expecting, Hey, he's going to be ready for the season. And then a game into the preseason, he just awkwardly, you know, goes into the boards and he's out six months. 
opportunities are going to be there for teams. There's still teams that are under the cap floor that are, you know, have space to spend. And I'm not asking for the Canadians to get the sun and the moon here. I don't think they have anyone on the team right now that will fetch them more than like some mid round picks and maybe like an AHL prospect. And I hate the idea of it is that the right move right now is you hold on to him. Hope he, you know, kind of gets it together. He wasn't playing poorly. We've talked about this on the show before. There were improvements, but the scoring touch is a little bit lost without a functioning power play. Alex Burroughs. And my thought now is if the power play works, you're going to watch his value spike. And maybe you do the thing where you ride that hot streak and then you flip, you just turn it off there. I think Ken Hughes is going to get something for it. I don't think it's going to be future considerations because I don't believe you can retain salary on a future considerations trade. So my thought is, is that the Habs are going to do something here. They're going to, they're going to finagle something out of this. And I'm really curious to see what it is because quite frankly, we want prospects in the lineup. If you're going to be bad, be bad with youth, not be bad with the guy who is almost 34 years old in the lineup right now. Speaking of youth, We got some questions on prospects that are not related to the prospect mailbag that Laura is doing with two wonderful guests coming up next week. We're going to talk Adam Engstrom. We're going to talk Oliver Kapanen and other players, and that's all coming up next. But first, make sure you take a swing at betting on Major League Baseball with FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll get $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. And you can spend that $200 on the money line, who's going to hit the first home run, the over under anything in a game, and then get paid out on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. And that payout is instant the minute you win. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So if you go to fanduel.com slash locked on today to get $200 in bonus bets, that's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of Major League Baseball, and us here at Locked On. And as always, we are here to remind you, please gamble responsibly and within your means when using FanDuel. We are back. It is the Friday Mailbag. If you ever want to send us your mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com, an even longer question. In the YouTube comments, just make sure you put mailbag question or something big in bold print, if that's a thing in the comments to make sure we see it so we can add it to this. And if you have prospect questions about anything else, send them to us this weekend. We have three very special episodes potentially coming up for you next week, all based on prospects and drafts and all that other fun stuff that we know all of you love and adore. But we have to get into the current crop of prospects right now with some questions. Laura, what else do we have in our mailbag today? I just like launched into a diatribe saying and we're going to talk about this now, but if I like, I, I will bring this up with the prospect guest as well. Jeff, the red asks a prospect question for you. Where do you rank Adam Engstrom on the Habs prospect ranking? So one of the guests that I have has some opinions on Adam Engstrom and they're pretty positive. So we're going to talk about that on this weekend, but Scott in your, in your estimation, where would you rank Adam Engstrom? I So here's the thing is I can't give you a definitive number because my ballot for the top 25 under 25 is secret or Habs eyes on the prize right now. And those start, we start doing the intro pieces and everything going into next week. So all of those votes will eventually be revealed at that point in time as we go through prospects. 
And the hard part about Adam Engstrom here is that he both exploded up the chart in terms of things he did this year and definitely became one of the big name prospects in this organization. He also did it at the same time that Lane Hudson did this and that they drafted the top defenseman in the 2023 draft class, which makes things very difficult in terms of it. I have my list and I'm going to actually see where I, I'm going to try to not spoil anything too much because that would make me a bad person here. Where did I have? Oh, people are going to be mad at me when they see my ranking. But my my thing on Adam Engstrom is this, is that I think he's a very good player, and I think there is growth to his game that is going to happen. There are so many talented forwards in this organization. It is very hard to rank any of them. And this is, if I'm counting everyone under 25, but we are talking purely prospects here, not guys who have made the NHL full-time. Adam Engstrom is very easily a top, seven or eight prospect in this organization if we remove the nhl players out of that so if you remove Caden gooley you remove nick suzuki you remove cole caulfield kirby doc alex newhook etc adam engstrom moves up a lot in terms of general prospects there and i'm gonna say this is that when you look at the rankings here the canadians have a very deep prospect pool it lacks a superstar but there is a lot of solid building blocks here it's he is going to be a part of this team here, and I'm very excited to see what the future holds for him. His meteoric growth kind of gets overshadowed just by how good Lane Hudson was. I think Adam Engstrom, as a prospect alone, is a top 78 prospect in this organization without having North American pro experience at this point, and that will likely change again this year before anyone else comes and jumps down my throat. And before you ask me in terms of ranking all the defensive prospects, I have it Hudson- Ryan Bacher, Engstrom, Mayu in this organization right now, just based on non NHL experience. I think what Lane Hudson did this year is astronomical. And I think Ryan Bacher has a ceiling that is a step higher than Engstrom's. It is great to have all of them in here at once. I have to tell you, Scott, I thought that ranking was quite a bit higher than I thought, <laughs> um, than I thought it would be, uh, which is impressive. Like you said, he's really done the work and like really grabbed the opportunity by the horns and just kind of, you know, solidified his position, not solidified, increased his position, like raised his position in the rankings. We have, speaking of uh, prospectness stuff, this is also something that I will ask our prospect guests. Uh, Randy Hansen asks, which junior league has the cream of the crop for the next two drafts? Which prospect in the 2024 draft are you most excited about? So I don't know if we're there yet, Scott. I'm definitely not, but I will ask our guests that for sure. What about you? Do you have, like, what junior league do you think the, the, the cream of the crop is coming out of the next couple of drafts? And which prospects for next year are you excited about? So here's the thing is I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about the 2024 draft, but I know that there are four names that I've paid attention to out of all of it. There was a Cole Hudson. There was a Cole Iserman. There is Demidov, and then there's Macklin Celebrini. And I know one of the guests you are having on loves Celebrini and loves Demidov very much from their initial viewings. And just below that is Cole Iserman. I got to look at Iserman watching the under-18 tournament this year, getting to watch Smith and all the other guys. But I heard Iserman's name a lot, a lot, a lot. He's someone that I think is going to rise up here. Out of all the leagues, you're going to look at the U.S. National Development Program, again, being a powerhouse. 
they they have they have come into that. It was Finland for a while had a really strong going. Sweden had a while there. The OHL and WHL always seem to produce some of these really just solid all around guys. But I'm gonna lean towards the U.S. program just because I think they churn out so many good talents that they are in their golden era of creating players. And they have been basically since the Austin Matthews draft. And even before that with the Kachucks and everything else, they are in their in their golden era of creating star talents. And I think Cole Iserman's going to draw a lot of eyes, a lot like Will Smith did. But I think it is right now it's between Macklin Celebrini and, and uh, I, I cannot remember his first name and I apologize. It's Demidov. He's playing over in Russia and before Habs fans get too upset about Montreal maybe passing on a Russian, I don't think they're picking in the top three this year, so I wouldn't worry about it too much right now. Um, I think it's actually like a legitimate, you know, like we used to not look at, like we used to really focus on the OHL and the WHL for the most part, uh, as well as the Q. But like you know, in the last in the last few years, there's been kind of a dynamic dynamic shift or a paradigm shift. Um, and it's just so much, so encouraging because it's not just like a single top talent that's coming out. It's more, there's a group, there's a crop of young players that's coming out and you can be confident that their development has been solid to that point. Um, so I do think it's, 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 it's an interesting question. Uh, I have another one before we move on to a different segment. I've got one from Randy Hansen. What is the current most pressing need in the scouting department? So Randy doesn't specify if it's pro scouting or amateur scouting. So I'm curious because this sounds also just fire their amateur scout. Or I head think amateur it, scout or something. Who do they, who do they fire? I don't, I thought they let, I was it the Russian guy. I can't remember. Um, my biggest thing is always adding more pro scouting. Uh, it's how you, if you build a good team with those undervalued guys, whether it be, undrafted free agents playing in other leagues and stuff. It makes a lot there. And I think the amateur scouting staff has done a good job identifying some targets, but I would like to see them do more scouting from some of these European leagues, because it feels like they're shying away a little bit from some of these higher risk guys that maybe aren't a full package, but very likely can be something special when they hit, if they hit their ceiling and give it the shot it almost I don't want to say they're playing it safe based on one of their other drafts, but it feels like they found a guy like Adam Engstrom, who's very good, and seeing guys like Vincennes Roars and Cedric Kindone, et cetera, in junior leagues and non-professional scouting, continue to follow those instincts. Unless there's something that they're seeing in their data that they're not liking, I'd like to just see them take more chances on players like that. I think that's a legitimate. I think that's a legitimate uh, point of view. Uh, real quick though, Randy Hansen also asks, "When do you think Oliver Kapanen will come to North America?" So the funny part about this is that I thought Kapanen was like twenty three years old. He's nineteen still for another nine days, and then he will be twenty years old. I thought he was much older than he was, and thought this was a now or never thing. I think the best bet is if he has another decent season playing in Finland this year, he had 27 points in 55 games uh, for Kalpa last year, playing as uh, a 19 year old player there in a men's league. So it's not exactly easy for him. I would expect to potentially see him in North America, likely in the AHL after the league season ends this year, whenever Kalpa season is over, if he has another strong effort, I think the Canadians will sign him. 
he's not going to be the flashiest player in the world. He's not going to come over, I think, with the same hype that Heineman had, whether that be rightly or wrongly there. But I do think Kapanen will be in North America in 2024. And I think he will be a part of that Laval Rocket lineup as they continue to just replenish with young guys in there uh, in the coming seasons. That does it for our prospect stuff, right, Laura? Yeah, so we just have the Habs as wrestlers question, which I don't even know what it is, and then a couple of, like, three off-topic ones for the very end. Yes, so we will get into all of those coming up in our final segment. We are back here at Locked On Canadians, and here comes the fun part is... We like to have fun in the final part of our Friday mailbags where everything kind of spirals into absurdity and having fun. And this morning I was talking with a good friend from Lockdown Jackets, Jay Foster, who is, you know, a great friend of ours. And we were talking about the AEW show that was uh, Wednesday night in Boston, the blood and gut show, talking about that and everything. And he asked if we had recorded our, our final show of the weekend. I said, we had not. We were recording tonight. And he goes, good, I have a question. I want you to make the Montreal Canadiens into tag team wrestlers here. And I, I went, okay, I could write a whole article about this if I wanted to. I'm not going to because it's my week off between jobs and I wanted to relax. So I have been sitting here racking my head all day. And I've come up with two things here. I have created the heel tag team for the Canadians, a.k.a. the bad guys, the people you want to boo and never like, and the face team, the team that you want to cheer for because they are the good guys who got to overcome all the adversity. And Laura, should we give them the bad guys or the good guys first? The bad guys, please. So this one, this was easy. The bad guys team is made up of Arbor Jack Eye as the heavy. He, he is the brooding enforcer who is just there to kick ass and take names all the time, and his tag team partner is Brendan Gallagher, who plays the cowardly, cheating heel that everybody loves to hate all the time. All the time. Because all he does is, you know, hide behind the ref and just annoy everybody. When the ref's not looking, he pokes you in the eye or he gives you a shot in, you know, the nether regions. And then when they run in there, Arbor Jackye steps into the ring and looks all big and intimidating. Think Shawn Michaels and Diesel in the 90s, which is a reference, Laura, I know you don't understand, potentially. I will Google it for you after the show, but our listeners will definitely understand that, and that is where that tag team comes in. And on the face side of things, you have Josh Anderson. You have the handsome devil, the big jacked himbo who only wants to do the right thing all the time. And where does that leave him? That leaves him with a partner who sometimes is a little bit feisty, gets himself a little bit more than he can chew, but he is a fighting guy. and He's always going to take the opposing team, and fans love him. He's a fan favorite. I am talking about Michael Pozzetta, a guy that sometimes bites off a little bit more than he can chew, but he's all heart and he's all tenacity. And you have Anderson and Pozzetta as the two there, because Gallagher, being the heel, if these two are facing off in a match, is just going to keep antagonizing Pozzetta by breaking the rules. And then Pozzetta's going to run and chase him around the ring. And Jack Eye is going to big boot kick him in the face. And it all just works in classic carny wrestling style here. 
and I know that Laura probably thinks I am insane right now. Jay, no, I, I don't. This... I'm just I'm enjoying <laughs> how happy you are talking about this. I'm literally like, you're so animated, and I was like, wow. <laughs> I will do. I swear to God, I will do a ten part essay on the MJF CM Punk feud and why it is better than any film that won an Academy Award last year. Not on this show because we don't have time for that. But Jay, I hope this answered every question that you had about this. Laura, what else do we have in the insane uh, off-topic part of the mail bag before we wrap up the show here? We've got a couple of fun ones. Um, Hockey in Ottawa asks us, what is your favorite hot weather treat that isn't ice cream? So I, I truly, truly love a really ice cold glass bottle of Coca-Cola. Like when it is hot out, there is a point and the same thing goes for McDonald's Coke or McDonald's Sprite. The spicy cola basically is that when that weather hits that certain part and you are so, so thirsty, that ice cold bottle of Coca-Cola hits the spot like nothing I've ever had in my entire life. I was going to cheat and say gelato. (laughs) I'll allow it. I'm an Italian. I'll allow it. Um, but speaking of, of of Italians, there's this thing. I don't know. They call it Italian soda. And it's like you can get it at like second cup or whatever. But it's essentially like soda water on top of like some fruit flavored syrup with some ice. So I don't actually know if they do that in Italy or not. They just call it Italian soda. And I really like it. So <laughs> that is my favorite non-ice cream. But I have to say like it, it's ice cream. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's always (laughs) going to be ice cream. Uh, So that was our question from our good friend, Hockey in Ottawa. Uh, Speaking of good friends, Julian McKenzie. Hi, Julian. We love you. Uh, You and Scott Matlas switch bodies for a day. What's the first thing you do? I enjoy my luscious hair. (laughs) That is the first thing I do. Because those who don't know, I'm wearing a hat for reasons. Because Laura, if she switches bodies with me for a day, one is going to realize there's a big old bald spot going back there, which is like not great, but I'm going to enjoy my big luscious mane of hair and it's going to be awesome. The first thing I do is reach things on top shelves. So I didn't want to answer this question for you, but that was exactly what I was going to say. Look what I can do, everybody. I can reach things. I can reach things and tower <laughs> over people. Well, I don't know if I would tower over people because, I, like, like Scott is not abnormally tall. Like, he's tall, but, you know, he's 6'2". He's, like, a tall guy, right? Like, but he towers over me because I am 5 nothing, And people don't believe it. Like, people will meet me and be like, you are short. You're even shorter. Like, you talk about how short you are, but when I meet you, you're even shorter than I thought. I am short. There is a photo of us from the draft last year together that will exactly illustrate Laura's point to all of you. So (laughs) I am quite short. So I would enjoy, I think I would, I would really enjoy being able to reach things really. Um, (laughs) I have like, like I have a stool like at at home just so that I can reach like what's on top of the fridge or whatever. Um, So yes, that is the first thing I would do is just like enjoy my ability to reach things. I don't know how I feel like being taller than everybody. Like it just, I'm so used to talking to people looking up. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like looking down. Uh, Like, is my back going to hurt? I don't know. Uh, But that would be fun. Uh, That that is the first thing I would do. All right. Um, And then finally, we have a question from our nemesis. We just went through two questions from two good friends. And now it's going to be our worst nemesis. uh, Who, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you will know as Will Chris. 
if, but this question is legitimate. If hypothetically you went to trivia with someone and that someone had a tendency to consistently talk over the host when he was reading questions, but you still managed to win in convincing fashion, would you still go to trivia with that person or ban them from attending again? This is actually a tough question. So my thing is, is that if you win, great. But like they get they get a one more chance thing here. Like you were on like that final straw. It's like, you know, shut up. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be a jerk, but like, shut up. Let let you want to talk after they are done talking. Great. It's like if you were going to trivia and you know you're going to trivia and knowing Will the way that we both do. I assure you nothing bothers him more, which is why he asked this question. You get one more chance to prove that you can do this. If you cannot do that, you are not coming. You can come after trivia is over and hang out or whatever. But if you can't keep your mouth shut while they're asking questions, out, 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 out. Or go somewhere else and come back in the bar after trivia is over. But no, because I, that would bother me too. I'd be like, you're gone. Out, Mm -hmm. get out. No, it actually, it absolutely bothers me. And this is the thing, it drives me crazy because I want to win. I go to trivia because it's fun, but it's because I want to win. And I think that you should, like, if you're doing teams, you should be allowed to, like, confer with each other. But do not be talking while the host is asking the question, giving you the hint, or even making a joke. Because usually that joke will give you kind of an idea of how the host was thinking when they created those questions. And it just, it's so annoying. At question time or when the questions are being repeated, stay quiet. It is so irritating. Oh my God. Like, and I love to win, but, and, and here's the other thing too, is that like, I do like trivia to be fun. So I don't, I don't like to go to those nights where like, they're so competitive in that. Like, it's just like, it's a bunch of boring, smart people. I don't like those trivia nights. I like fun trivia nights and it's okay to talk. It's okay to laugh. It's okay for all those things, but not over the host. Oh my God. That is a zero strike. Like, Scott will give you one chance because Scott is too nice. He's way too nice. That is zero. Like, that's the last try. I I will lose forever if I can actually, like, listen to the questions and, like, understand what the host is saying. Anyway, I, I think I got a little bit too passionate about that. But No, don't way, talk during trivia. You know. I, yeah, I, I am, I am nice enough to allow a second chance. If you can't do that, get the hell out of my trivia team forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you should confer once the host is done asking the questions. That's totally fine. But yeah. like, don't talk over the host. Also, anyway. know who you're going to trivia with. Anyways, that's going to wrap up our Friday mailbag today. As always, you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Uh, tweet at Laura, at the active stick, at myself, at Scott Matla on Twitter for as long as that still exists. As always, Laura has a prospect-focused week for you next week. Send her your prospect questions. Please, please, please. It is for your detriment. Yes. You can also send your prospect questions to me on threads. I don't actually know how to use threads, but I'm the active stick on threads. And you can find me there and ask prospect questions if you decided you're over Twitter. But you're listening to this and you want to ask a prospect question. Just remember, I'm recording on Sunday at 11 o'clock. So it has to be 11 o'clock in the morning. So it has to be before that. 11 o'clock Eastern. Get those questions in. I will be back uh, after next week. I'm gone the first half of the week for some work-related stuff, but I will be back after that, and we will have plenty more for you. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time.